0: So today we're going to look at several different passages of scripture. So uh, we're going to start out in uh, 1 Peter. If you have trouble finding verses in your Bible, switching to it real quickly because you're not on something digital and you can't just click on it. Uh, then uh, try, just do your best. Maybe you could go to the front of your Bible and look in the table of contents, you know, and it tells you where the books begin, the pages of it. And then you can write in 1 Peter, Ephesians, Romans, 1 Corinthians, and Acts. And you could write down the page where those books begin and and that could help you find it. So um, we're going to be looking this morning at spiritual gifts or talking about it. You can't really see spiritual gifts and you can see the evidence of it sometimes. but, But we're going to be looking at and talking about spiritual gifts. Now... On Friday, I had been working on this message for a couple of weeks, and on Friday, I told Megan and Kathy that uh, they said, well, how are you doing on the message? And I said, well, just have one little problem. It's about three hours long. And they said, that's not a little problem. (laughs) That's a big problem. Uh, So we're not gonna be able to address all of it today. I had wanted to, and it was way too ambitious a project. But today we're going to look at spiritual gifts. We're going to introduce the concept. We're going to talk in particular about some of the gifts and and why some are considered temporary gifts. So we'll be looking at that in the scripture today. Okay? Um, So in 1 Peter, well, the first first thing about gifts is that uh, spiritual gifts are given by the Holy Spirit to believers in order to serve in the church and in the world is given to believers in order to serve in the church in the world. When do spiritual gifts, when are they given? Well, I don't know. The Bible doesn't exactly say, but I think they're given when you get saved. So, uh, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the spiritual gift. Now, what if, um, uh, Dawson, how old were you when you got saved? Four. He was four years old when he got saved. What if God's plan is for Dawson to be a pastor? Should he have started pastoring when he was five? No, not even yet. It may be someday. But having the gift, like I was a Christian for years before I felt called to preach because the, the gift could have been there, but the Holy Spirit was waiting for me to grow enough to be able to reveal that gift to me. So, you may have spiritual gifts you're not aware of. You may have spiritual gifts you already know, and you're going to recognize some of them as we go through this list of gifts. Um, when I got saved, I still did not like public speaking, I was scared of it. All right, speech class in. Middle school and high school, I really struggled in that class. And then uh, my mom said, after I surrendered to preach, I went from not being able to speak up to not being able to shut up. Mom's in heaven now. She realizes the error of her ways. No, no, uh, it was the truth. And, and I, I got where I enjoy being with a group of people. And if I have something significant to share from God's word, I get excited about being able to share it. I don't fear. I, I, my big fear is not getting up in front of people. My big pe- fear is blowing it. You know, I get tongue-tied, I say things wrong sometimes, and every now and then I listen to one of my messages and I think, why did I say that? You know, and I'll mention it to Kathy and she, I was thinking the same thing. It, It just happens sometimes. But I get excited about messages that God, why? Because God gave me that spiritual gift. It was not natural. It was supernatural God working, and I'm glad he did. It's enriched my life greatly. So we're going to go through a list of gifts, and I I want just the reference for 1 Peter 4 to come up. So, all right, here we go, 1 Peter chapter 4. All right, now on this screen, we're going to have four different passages of Scripture and then four different lists of verses. So 1 Peter chapter 4, look in verse 10, 1 Peter 4, 10. So what are the two gifts Peter mentions? Well, they're groups of gifts, kind of. There's speaking and ministering. And then when he says here, if you are speaking, do it as the oracle of God. That doesn't mean that I get up here to preach and I say, the Lord has given me this message for you. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying when you're speaking, make sure you're sharing the good stuff the Lord's message. Do it as an oracle of the Lord, as somebody whose job is to convey God's truth. If you're speaking God's truth, and this is true whether you're pastoring or teaching in Sunday school or leading an Awana lesson, when you are sharing God's truth, this includes one-on-one conversations. If Some people who have, I'm getting into next week's message, but some people have gifts that operate differently. And we'll look at that next week. But when you're speaking, sometimes it can be one-on-one. Sometimes it can be in a big group. Sometimes it can be in a huge auditorium. But you speak the message of God. That's what we're called to speak when you have that speaking gift. Don't try and impress people with your humor or your oratory skills. Speak God's truth. That's what people need to hear. And and then if you're ministering, minister generously, heartfully. All right, now let's look in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And this is another list, only it's a little longer, and this list is different. All the other lists of spiritual gifts talk about the gifts, but this talks about the position. Sometimes these are called position gifts. In Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse 11. And he himself, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the maturity of Christ. So this is why God gave these gifts. So what are the gifts again? They're apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastor teachers. Now, what we'll get into, I believe apostles and prophets are, were temporary gifts and they're no longer here, and we'll explain why in a little bit. But evangelists, how many of you know evangelists that we support? How many of them? Pete Rice and Taru Marshall. We support both of them uh, regularly. Uh, and we send money to them every quarter to help in their ministry of sharing the gospel in places and also uh, encouraging churches. How many of you know uh, a pastor that we support? <laughs> yeah, that, it, because God has allowed the church to be able to do that. We also actually support a couple pastors in Cuba who could not get support from their congregation because they're struggling. And so we help support pastors and missionaries in Cuba that are nationals who can't get support and, uh, but we also support uh, Bible colleges and seminaries that help train pastors and church leaders and workers and evangelists. And, and we do that here in Arizona. We also do that in Cuba and in India and in, uh, um, I always get his country wrong, J- josiahs Ni- Kenya, Nigeria. He's in Kenya. I always say Nigeria for some weird reason. Annoys him more than me, but well, well. Um, So, so we support the training of pastors and teachers and evangelists and missionaries. So, uh, now turn, please, to Romans chapter twelve. Romans chapter 12, we're going to begin in the middle of verse 6 and we'll get into the other part of verse 6 next week. In The middle of verse 6, he says, "Uh, according to the grace that is given to us, let us use the gifts. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So he's describing a list of gifts here. And they are prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhorting, giving, leading, and showing mercy. So... Should everybody give? Yes, but there are some people that have the gift of giving. And quite often, somebody who has that gift, God also gives them the opportunity to make money. And so there have been Christian millionaires who have funded a lot of ministries, hospitals, uh, schools, churches, missions funded by people who have that gift of giving, even though we're all supposed to be doing it. We're all called to be faithful to give, but some have that particular gifting. And so that's the list of gifts in Romans chapter 12. You may see yourself on this list somewhere. You maybe don't. There's another list in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. Why didn't God put it all in one place? You know, the Bible is not written as a textbook. It's written relationally. It often tells the story through families. Um, In fact, uh, if you look in the book of Genesis, the foundation of the world, it tells the stories through several significant families. It doesn't just teach the truth. It teaches it relationally. And so God, um, I think if God had, you know, a textbook on spiritual gifts, people would be obsessing over it. And remember in Corinth, they had lots of problems. Paul was writing this letter to correct problems. And one of the problems was spiritual gifts. So he sent, spent several chapters talking about the problems that they had. So he begins in uh, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12 in verse 1. Now concerning spiritual, spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now my pastor, when I was growing up, he always said the largest church in the world is the church of the ignorant brethren. He <laughs> said, so many people claim to follow the Lord, but they don't know what the Bible really teaches. So here we have, Don't I don't want you to be ignorant. So he now says in verse number, uh, oh, let's jump down to uh, verse number seven. The manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, wor- the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. And, and the difference of those was wisdom was the practical application of knowledge. Knowledge was God was revealing something to these people. So a person who had the, the gift of knowledge could share something from the Lord. And then the person who had the gift of of wisdom could then help the people make it work in their lives and in their church. So there's other gifts that he talks about here. Uh, And then in verse number nine, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And then he has another list later on, if you jump down to verse 28, he says, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all prophets, are are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret and, and that, the obvious answer to that is no, not everybody had every gift. So here's the list, because some of them show up in both places. Here's the list from 1 Corinthians. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, speaking or interpreting in tongues, apostles and prophets and teachers. So that's the list that Paul shared there. Now, uh, the the... A big deal is made on spiritual gifts, the gift of tongues. It's it's a big deal. So here you need to understand that the gift of tongues always and only meant human languages. That's what it meant. The capacity to speak in multiple languages. I've often wondered at how, uh, well, you know, let's just do this. Mark, would you mind sharing a verse in Telugu? Could you do that? Or Thelma? Could. Ah, oh, I recognize that last part. <laughs> All right, Anna, share it. Oh, Anna's in Children's Church. So, Wanna. Uh, oh, oh. oh. Okay. Okay. I I wanted somebody to share Spanish. Who could share a verse in Spanish? Okay. All right, how many of you understood every word she said? (laughs) A couple. But not, you see, what was happening, the gift of tongues was what if I got up here and started speaking Telugu? That would really impress you, wouldn't it? Uh, What if I did that? How would that help everybody in here except maybe Thelma and and maybe all the Marianos? It, It wouldn't be a blessing to you, would it? So what would you need if I spoke Telugu? You would need what? An interpreter. That's why when I have gone and preached in Mexico, I spoke in English and uh, Keith Huta or Steve Rubio were my translators. And in Cuba, Kathy would teach the ladies and I would teach the men and we spoke through an interpreter. Even though Kathy could speak enough Spanish to have a conversation with them, it was different when teaching. So he wanted to get it exactly right because even even if you know Spanish really well here and then you go to Mexico, it's a little different. And then you go to Cuba, it's a lot different. And then you go to Spain and it's way different yet uh, because it's just like English. We speak English, but the people in Scotland think they do too. Have you ever listened to them? No. In fact, the British don't even do English right, do they? No. We got it right. We, we Americanize it and... Uh, but, but see, the gift of speaking in tongues was the gift of communicating in a language you had not studied or learned. You just suddenly had that capacity. And then when you spoke that way in the church, what, what was going on at Corinth were people who were believers from different cultural backgrounds. They would come to church and they'd want to share a blessing. And so they would get up and speak. But what if when we were sharing our blessings for October, what if somebody had spoken in a different language? We wouldn't have had a clue. And they would have been smiling at us, waiting for us to say amen or something, and we'd be staring at them. Huh? You know, the great American, huh? We're good at that. Uh, And and Americans traveling abroad, the, the joke is, that if they think if they speak louder and slower, the people will be able to understand English. It it doesn't help. Speaking slower helps a little, but it doesn't really help. So, uh, I want you to look in Scripture. The, The gift of speaking in tongues was not an angelic language. It wasn't glossolalia that... Oh, the Holy Spirit takes over my mouth and my tongue starts making weird noises and then somebody interprets that. In fact, some of that that's going on in churches is scary because I, I had a friend who spoke Mandarin and he was in a church in, uh, somewhere in, a, in the United States and he spoke English and Mandarin and somebody stood up in that church service and gave an utterance they said was from the Holy Spirit. And then an interpreter got up and said, well, what they said means this. And it was something really positive. And my friend said, the person speaking was speaking in Mandarin, and they were cursing God, not blessing the congregation. They didn't know. So Paul goes on to say, you know, I would rather speak five words with my understanding than 10,000 words that I don't understand. And it was corrupted in Corinth, and it was a wrong gift. Now, in chapter 13 of verse number one, Paul mentions the the language or the tongues of men and angels, but you got to remember, in uh, 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 12, where Paul is Uh, caught up to heaven. Remember that story? And Paul said, he heard things that were not lawful for him to utter. There were things that he learned, that he listened to, that he can't really share because we couldn't handle it. And, And so... He heard angels speaking. What language were they speaking? Well, English, of course, right? But Paul didn't understand English back then. No, what language were they speaking? They were speaking the angelic language. And I don't know for certain it'll be this way, but I really hope it is. I hope in heaven everybody speaks their birth language. And then we'll be able to understand all of it. So Thelma can see me in heaven and she can talk to me in Telugu, and I'll speak to her in English and we'll both understand the whole thing. I hope it's that way. I don't know for sure. But Paul heard the angel speaking a language. He wasn't saying this glossolalia, heavenly language that people would erupt into in services. That's not biblical. And if it's not biblical, it's scary. Because they feel it's spiritual. And when it's not the Holy Spirit, there's only one other option. It's not godly. So I want you to see in Acts chapter 2 what speaking in tongues was like in the Bible. Acts chapter 2. I should have told you to mark 1 Corinthians because we're going to go right back there in a bit. Acts chapter 2 Um Look with me in uh, verse number four, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues or other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. They'd come there and they were participating and they were in that place, but they came from all different countries. And verse 6, when this this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. They didn't hear them speaking some angelic language. They heard in their own language. Now, so verse 7, they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, look, Are not all these who speak Galileans? See, the Galileans were not known for being highly educated. They were the working class people of the nation of Israel. And the educated crowd were from Judea. So, like, if this was on ASU campus, they would be saying, Hey, aren't those guys from the U of A or something weird like that? You know, there was a a disparagement to it. Okay, then he says, they're all Galileans. Verse 8, how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So, see, that's what tongues was. It was the miraculous ability to speak a language, a human language, a language that could be clearly understood by the people who knew that language. It wasn't a heavenly language. It was a human language. And the biblical gift of speaking in tongues was believers could suddenly speak different languages and dialects so that people paid attention and listened to the message. See, in Acts 10, it says the Holy Spirit came again on the Gentiles. And in Acts 11, Paul's describing this once he's back in Judah, and he's telling them, listen, it happened on them just like us at the beginning. It was the exact same gift of speaking in tongues. And in the Bible, that's the only way that it's described. In fact, the, the sign of spiritual life is not speaking a so-called heavenly glossolalia. What is the sign of spiritual life? It's called spiritual fruit, Galatians 5, and 3. It is love, joy. Peace, long suffering, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. It's what the Holy Spirit is working to accomplish in you. It's not some weird, heavenly, angelicish language. It's awkward. I have Christian friends. Who say they love the Lord, who say they love his word, who say they speak in tongues. I don't think the way speaking in tongues is practiced in churches today is at all biblical. And so I shared with my friend, how many languages can you speak if you speak in tongues? He said, oh, I didn't get it. Well, you know what? I don't get it because it's not here. It's not from Scripture. So no, I don't get it. And hopefully I never do, right? So the gift of tongues was always and only, always and only meant human languages in the Scripture. That's what it means. So be careful not to pursue spiritual experiences that aren't anchored in Scripture. Because if you do, You can be led astray quite easily. All right, now some gifts were temporary, and tongues is one of the gifts that were temporary. They were signs used to authenticate the message. Now, I want you to look here in Scripture, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Once the scriptures were completed, these temporary or sign gifts um, ceased. We now compare a message to scripture to verify its accuracy. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses beginning in verse number 8, 1 Corinthians 13:8, Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. All right, look up here. Look on the screen. They will fail. They will cease. They will vanish away. That's what God planned. Then he goes on to say, we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. And he talks about when you're a kid, you don't understand things and then you grow and you understand. But look at verse 13, sorry. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is, is love. Now that's what abides. Now. So before the Bible was completed, they needed temporary gifts to affirm the message was correct and accurate. But now we compare what we hear with the truth of God's word, an accurate interpretation of scripture. And then we can verify the authenticity by the very word of God. So God planned that some of these gifts were only operational at the beginning of the church, at the founding of the church. And they had significance then, and they moved people then. But once the church got going, those gifts stopped. Now, let me give you an analogy. Remember when they were building the tabernacle? Okay, remember reading about it, right? Okay, some of you look like, he thinks I'm that old? Okay, remember reading about when they were building the tabernacle? And God said he did something special. He gave certain people certain gifts. Remember what, can you think of what one of those gifts was? Can somebody say that louder? I didn't hear it. Yes, certain people had that. Some had the ability to work with brass. Some were given the ability to work with silver. Some were given the ability to work on the seams, on the tabernacle, because the curtains of the tabernacle, nothing like that had ever existed before. And, and they gave them this amazing ability. So who taught the next generation? When Tim Martinez was a little boy, did God suddenly give him the gift of being able to work on air conditioning systems and electricity and all that? It was just a gift. He didn't have to work at all, right, Tim? <laughs> no. He, he went to school. He studied. He learned. He got certified. He's really certifiable, honestly. Okay, but, but see, the first generation In the tabernacle, nobody had these skills. Nobody had these ability. Nothing like this had ever been built before. And God gave them this gift and now they could do it. And so what did they do? They passed it along for centuries, for millennia. People passed along from father to son, skills they learned. And so, you know, everyone expected Jesus to become a carpenter and builder because Joseph was a carpenter and builder. And you passed it along from father to son and that God had obviously better plans for Jesus. Aren't you glad? Uh, But, and by the way, Joseph was not his biological father. He was born of God and Mary. I get distracted quite easily sometimes. So back to our illustration. The first generation God gave this miraculous ability and then they taught future generations who taught future generations, who taught future generations. So it was in the church. For the founding of the church, for the establishing of the church, there needed to be some significant thing to show. So the ability to speak in a foreign language, it showed people, wow, we just read in the scripture. People came running, what's this? We hear them all in our own heart language, our birth language, and and we're hearing this. And then those people believed and started following God. And thousands came to Christ. Why? Because God was establishing his church. But now, if an American wants to be a missionary to the Philippines, they have to go and study Telugu. It doesn't just miraculously show up. They have to study and learn and then go. And then you still have to learn the culture once you've learned the language. But to get the church going, they needed to do it now. And so God gave these gifts. Now, I have a list of temporary gifts and then a list of continuing gifts. So here's the temporary gifts that I believe were short-term. Apostles and prophets, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, healing, miracles, discerning of spirits, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues. Now, my sister-in-law, Kathy's older sister, is a gifted linguist. At one point, how many languages did she speak? Nine? Okay. Um, nine different languages. She could talk a couple different uh, dialects of, of some, and she could keep Spanish and Portuguese separate in her head, uh, even though they're very similar, they're enough similar to be uh, cross-contaminated, and, uh, but, but she could do all these languages. But it wasn't the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. She had to actually study and learn. She was a quick learner. In fact, her first semester learning Russian, she did so well, uh, the instructor recommended her to work for the government as a Russian language translator, and that's where she started her job. Okay, but, but look at these gifts. Apostles, who was the last apostle? John. John became an apostle before Paul, but he also was still alive after Paul died. So John the apostle was the last of the apostles. When he died, there weren't more apostles. There's a church here in town who calls themselves the apostolic church, and they believe they have apostles speaking God's truth today. And we believe we have God's truth. All we have to do is read it, learn it, study it. We don't need to get more. So apostles, prophets, prophets would communicate God's message. Now, some people today say, you know, the list in Romans where it includes prophecy. And so those people are just bold in their prophetic, they're boldly proclaiming God's word, but they're not foretelling new truth. Most of the time in the Bible, that distinction was not made. In the Bible, prophecy was communicating God's truth. Remember, Agabus was a prophet described in, in the book of Acts. I don't know why no one names their son Agabus. He was a good and godly man, but uh, actually, I do know why. It's a weird, weird word in our culture. It'd be very funny. So then the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, where, where if, if back in that day, we were all gathering together for church, And Richard might have a word of knowledge. The Lord had revealed something to him to share with all of us. And Richard would share it. And if he spoke it in a different language, then we'd have an interpreter. And and then we would all benefit from that. But that word of knowledge stopped when we had the whole scripture. See, until God's word was written down, they were struggling to make it right. Right. They were struggling to learn. And so along with that word of wisdom and word of knowledge, there was the discerning of spirits. Because some people tried to get in. In fact, it's described in the book of Acts where Simon the sorcerer saw the spiritual gift that the apostles had. And so he said, I want to give you money so I can have that. There were people who wanted to counterfeit the truth. And so they stood up in church and said, you know... uh, let, let's just say that, that our church was looking for a pastor. Hopefully we won't be for a while, <laughs> but but let's just say that was going on. And so then John would stand up and say, I have a word of knowledge that God is calling me to be the pastor. And then Mark would say, no, I have a word of knowledge that God is calling me. And Dawson would say, dude, it's me, you know. And and so what would we do? We would have people who had the gift of discerning of spirits. And they would be able to look and say, uh, not Dawson, not Mark, sorry, not John. It's Tim Martinez. So they, they would, <laughs> I just scared Tim. Uh, he told me, let me do all the hard stuff where you get bloody and you do all that stuff where you get up in front of people and teach. Uh, but, but listen, they didn't have the word of God. Now, you know what this church does when they're looking for a Pastor. They asked him to send his, uh, what he believes. And I sent it in and they talked about it and they met with us and they met with me and they met with Kathy and they talked and they made sure that we were understanding the word of God the way the church understood the word of God. And so they wanted to make sure it was a good fit. But before the scripture was written, they made sure it was a good fit because certain people had the gift of discerning of spirits. And then there was the gift of healing and the gift of miracles. Now remember the apostle Paul says, where is it 2 Timothy? Yeah, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 20. The apostle Paul says, I I have left Trophimus and Miletus sick. What? Paul had the gift of healing. He had the gift of miracles. Great things happen. Remember when Peter walked by people? If Peter's shadow fell on people, they were healed. And now here we are just another decade later, and Paul said, I had to leave him behind because he was sick. And by the way, if you have a sick person in your family, leave them behind. If they're too young to leave them alone, stay with them. But Paul, the, the gift of healing was temporary. The gift of miracles was temporary. Speaking in tongues was temporary. Interpreting tongues was temporary. All of these gifts were temporary. In fact, uh, that's what uh, 1 Corinthians 13 said. He said in verse 10, um, well, in verse 8, he said, those will cease. Uh, Prophecies will fail. Tongues will cease. The word of knowledge will vanish away. Um, Because in verse 10, When that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away. Now, what does it mean, perfect? It means complete. There's a fullness to it. So when the full scripture was together, we no longer needed people to stand up and share a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, because we had God's word and we can study it. So these are the continuing gifts that we have. Continuing, if they were operating back then, they're still operating now. Evangelists, pastors, teachers. In Ephesians, it says pastor, teacher, kind of hyphenated, because the way it's written in the Greek. It, but in the other passages, it mentions teaching as a separate gift. Uh, speaking, ministering, exhorting, giving, leading, showing mercy, faith. Next week, we're going to look at how these gifts can impact the the church family, our body, as we labor together. And and sometimes the gift in one person is going to look different than it does when the next person has the exact same spiritual gift. It will operate differently as they serve the Lord. So next week, we'll help you understand a little bit more about how spiritual gifts work and how they might work in your life. But let me give you two more big ideas today. Okay. The first is that every believer has at least one spiritual gift. Every believer has at least one. So when Dawson got saved at age four, he received a spiritual gift. The Holy Spirit came to live inside him. He received a spiritual gift. What is that spiritual gift? We don't know yet, but it'll show up. And he'll be able to serve and minister in the church because God gave him that gift. And that's true for you. And you don't need to obsess over finding out your spiritual gift. And we'll talk about that next week. Number five, every believer needs the spiritual gifts of others operating in their lives and ministries. Every every believer needs other people. Some people have gifts you don't have. And you have gifts they don't have. One of the devotionals I read recently included this. Nobody is a whole chain. Each one is a link. But take away one link and the chain is broken. Nobody is a whole team. Each one is a player. But take away one player and the game is forfeited. Nobody is a whole orchestra. Each one is a musician. But take away one musician and the symphony is incomplete. Nobody is a whole play. Each one is an actor, but take away one actor and the performance suffers. Nobody is a whole hospital. Each one is part of the staff, but take away one staff person and it isn't long before the patient can tell. Wanda was a nurse for many years and she couldn't have done much if there hadn't been somebody inventorying product and ordering it and stocking it because it wouldn't have been there. Smartphones are comprised of numerous parts, each one connected to and dependent on the other, even a tiny chip. If it becomes loose or gets wet or damaged, can shut the whole thing down. One little chip. Kathy had a really nice digital camera, and we went to uh, to, um, Virginia for Courtney's graduation. She took all kinds of beautiful pictures, and that little card in her camera failed and we lost all of them. All the rest of the camera worked great. And this, this devotional says, we need each other. You need someone, and someone needs you. Because you are called and equipped to serve Christ's body, the church. You are called and equipped to serve in Christ's body, the church. So here's our last question. How are you serving others? What are you doing to serve and minister to others? Now next week, we're going to talk about how these continuing gifts, how they work in your life and mine, how you discover what your spiritual gift might be. There's some really weird stuff that goes on. People trying to identify their gift. And most of the time, it's pretty simple how you figure it out. Okay, um, why would we focus on spiritual gifts? Well, because we're studying God's word, and it shows up in God's word. But also because it's pretty cool how God has worked to fit His church together, so that different parts help and and minister and labor, and nobody has all the answers. Not even the pastor. Nobody has all the gifts. We all need each other. But the good news is every person can make a difference. Every person has a part. Every person can be involved. Every person, young kids, not so young kids, every person has a part and we get to do it together.